Welcome back to Too Smart for This. I am so, so excited to be jumping into today's conversation. As you know, this month we have been chatting about confidence, confidence for the new year, confidence in business, confidence in who you are. And I'm so excited for this conversation with Sakurd because he is one of my favorite follows on TikTok and he's been able to sort of transform my vision of taste into something visual while also maintaining the most incredible personality. And he has a very, very interesting and long and incredible story about how he got to where he is now. And it is so touching. And I am so, so, so grateful that he's took the time to share it with us on today's show. So if you've been needing a confidence boost, if you've been needing a reminder that whatever you want wants you to, this is such an incredible episode. And it truly almost like brings me to tears thinking about it. So I really hope you enjoy. I really hope that you stay in touch with him and his content. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode because I think it's really going to help change your mindset. Before we get started, I love to begin with some rapid fire questions for the girls so they can get to know you. So I like to do these pretty quickly, but if we get on sidetracked, like there's no worries. Okay. Okay. So first one is what is your big three in astrology? Or if you're not an astrology person, like personality tests that you love. I, because I'm not an astrology person, so I don't know. And my friends will kill me because they've said they've told me all of them. Mm. Um, but I would say personality wise, my big three is like I don't even know. I confidence is first for me. Mm. Um, consistency. Ooh. And what's the word I would look I would use for that but like emotion like I'm in a, an extremely emotion based person mm, okay. so um yeah confidence consistency and let's just say emotion for right now I like that I like that and honestly I think I remember you said you're a Capricorn yes so that actually so makes that so I much am sense. a Capricorn yeah that makes a lot of sense I feel like those three things are what come with a Capricorn energy so I love to see it okay what is, where is your hometown and where you live now? I'm from Miami, Florida, 305, rip it till the day I die. Mm-hmm. But I live in West Hollywood now. About to go on six years being in LA. Six years. Do you love it? I love it. Yeah, it's the I spot. I really do. It's the spot. I have to say, I'm a big fan currently. Okay, what's something about your personality that makes you feel really smart? Ooh, um, my ability to adjust extremely quickly to, to different environments, whether it's physically moving somewhere or as small as being able to shift based on personalities around me, mm-hmm. um, I can adjust extremely quick, quickly. And that makes me feel smart. That's like, to me, that's like a smart ability. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that is an undervalued... I wish we had like a good word for it. Like there's adaptable, but adaptable yeah. can sound a little like you know, not as, like, powerful as this, like, Mm -hmm. actual personality trait is. So I feel you on that. What is something about your personality that makes you feel, like, superficial but in a good way? Like, material girl elements. I think I'm asking the ultimate material girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's just the fact that I really am a material girl. Like, Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel superficial because fashion in itself is very superficially driven. But I'm not ashamed of it because, you know, it's... I have a love for fashion that goes past the materialistic item. Of course, I get it first. But if you need like a history break, like I'm really about it. I'm mm. really about fashion. So like you it's really more just it's more than just the item for me. 
I think so too. And I think it's like there's the fashion and there's also the home that you like are serving with us too. And like, oh yeah, and Terry, like anything taste wise. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. What is your most important self care practice? Isolation. <laughs> we have to get into that. Isol- we need, yeah. We have to get into Isolation. that. Isolation. Okay. Finally, what is the worst advice you've ever received? You have to pay your dues to deserve what you're receiving. Like, the worst advice I've ever gotten was from a teacher of mine from college who I was telling her about, like, all the great things that were happening for me and all the jobs I was landing. And she was like, oh, well, some of them you shouldn't take because, you know, you have to be in the industry for a certain amount of years and you have to pay your dues before you could, like, like you won't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, girl, but I already did it. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> exactly. So that was the worst advice. Yeah. And so uh, I wanted to get, I, I want to get into that too, because I feel like you, there's a such thing as like quantum leaps. And I feel like with TikTok, you oh my God. built this incredible audience and it's so specific, but it's so you. And so since we're chatting about confidence this month, I'd love to know, like, how did you get to that place of like being able to figure out who you are and then be able to present it in a way that is authentically like demonstrating who you are as well. Is this part of the rapid fire question? Oh no, we're out of that. Okay. Girl. Cause I was like, babe, you know, we're going to, we're like, I can't I answer know. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's so interesting with me and my connection to confidence is that I've always been an extremely, like when I was a kid, I was extremely confident mm-hmm. since the age of like five. I remember being, like, no one could ever tell me anything against myself. Like, you shouldn't behave this way. You shouldn't do this. But I'm like, girl, you don't like it. You don't do it. But mm-hmm. as a kid, you couldn't stop me from doing anything I, I wanted to do. And I think, not I think, but I've recently learned from my therapist, hashtag therapy. Love it. Um, that all of that was a protective mechanism that I was using because I already knew that I was going to need to protect myself because no one else would do it. Mm. Um, I saw my surroundings where... The most powerful people in the rooms that I was seeing as a kid, like with my biological father and like all my uncles and stuff, they were all extremely insecure. And I could point that out mm-hmm. since I was like a kid. I, was, I could see the moments where they're acting tougher than they need to be, and I knew there was a reason why. And so for me, I was like, I'm, I could tell people are telling me certain things to break down my conf- like break down my self-value, even as a kid being like, are oh, you too feminine, and you're too this and that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what now? What, what now? Exactly. Like, what, what do we do from here? Exactly. What I realized is the second I would stand my ground, people would eventually in time meet me where I was. Mm-hmm. And then that gave me time as a kid to like, because I was faking my confidence, but I faked it enough where I was able to get to a place where I could actually figure out what it really was for myself. Mm-hmm. I think what I've been building on that I feel like people sense from my page and my TikTok and my content is I really am just figuring it out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have it completely solved. My confidence is ever-growing. Um, I'm never ashamed of what I love, what I don't know. I'm never ashamed of being ignorant. Um, and I think people really appreciate that because especially when it comes to, like, the world of interior design and fashion and all of these, like, taste-driven, opinionated-driven spaces, everything is often presented to you as fact. Mm. And so you may like be like you may think to yourself, oh, I really I think I like fashion. I think I like interior design. Let me go on TikTok and see these niches and try to get into them. You you come in with a certain level of confidence, and then you watch these videos of people being like, if you ever like this, you should kill yourself. 
mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, oh my goodness. And now you're just like destroying someone's confidence because they came in being like, I think I could, you know, do well here. And the first thing I see is somebody saying like, you should have never even thought about that. Yeah. You know? So with me, I try my best to like be very mindful that while I'm working on my confidence, if what I'm putting out there is potentially breaking down other people, in turn, it's going to break me down. Mm-hmm. So Period. And I mean, I did this a similar thing as a kid where I faked confidence so that I could survive. So for you... When you, where, when did you realize, like, oh, I've been faking it for a minute and, like, mm-hmm. I don't feel as confident as I was once before? That was probably in high school um, mm-hmm. because I would say when I was most confident was, like, elementary school, mm-hmm. middle school. I'm talking, like, I could have ran a small nation if I needed to. <laughs> like, exactly. I think back in my most recent, like, therapy sessions, I've been revisiting, like, my childhood, and I'm like, damn, like, I was an impressive child Mm -hmm. when it came to the spaces that I was naturally born into or, like, put in and how I worked it around to make it fit. But I was all, I was me faking it down. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until high school when, like, high school and a little bit of college when I started to become, when I started being put into more safe spaces that allowed for conversation and truth that I started to realize, oh my God, like the strength that I knew, the power that I had in my hand, like it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It helped. It protected me for a very good amount of time. But when I started, when I moved to LA and I started to like, I had nothing to worry about mm-hmm. financially. I had nothing to worry about when it came to like, if I needed emotional and mental support from family, I received it. I had it. Um, like, there was no true concern in my life anymore, so all that was left was me figuring it out. Like, yeah, like having to face everything. Having to face everything that I was, like, hiding away because I had to protect myself. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was... And that's a really tough experience. Oh, my God, it was so, brutal. I mean, I feel like that's really young adulthood, too, is, like, realizing been in curated spaces for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And when you get out of those, a lot of us, like, find problems to concern ourselves with so that we don't have to acknowledge what we're currently feeling and it is so hard. <laughs> it really is. So I'm curious if you're comfortable sharing what your background is that was so like difficult for you and like how you got to L.A. and like where that plays into your current journey. Oh, absolutely. Buckle up because it is, is story, quite y'all. the journey. This is a story. Everyone usually gets very taken aback when they really hear my story because I think people see me now. And then they try to connect the dots and like, how the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was born in Haiti and I moved to the U.S. when I was like four or five years old. And I was living with my biological father and my stepmother in Connecticut. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough, I loved Connecticut. I loved my time in Connecticut as a kid, strictly off of school. I mm-hmm. loved the schools that I went to. Um, but I hated the environment because it was so, yeah, uh huh, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> right. mm-hmm. exactly. But also, it was just like a super quiet town. Like, I lived in Norwich, it's super quiet, very dead, no activity. And I was a very like bright and like I a burst of energy, and I love the arts. And mm-hmm. you know, a town like Connecticut didn't provide that. And so, I think as a kid, I really struggled to figure out 
like why was where I was. I was like, I just don't deserve to be here. Like, mm. I mean, like I, I'm not supposed to be here. And I grew up in, when I was with my biological father, um, he was, it, it was a very like religious household. Plus I'm Haitian, mm. which adds on a whole nother layer of like homophobia and like all these other things. And it was also like, it was an abusive household mm. with him. And the main reason why it goes back to also like my confidence thing where he used to hate how confident I was because naturally when you're a young kid and your parent is like, especially if you're, you're gay and at the time I didn't know I was gay because I'm like too young to know the term of gay, mm-hmm. but everyone was already putting like that label on me because I was feminine and I like certain music and I like to play with dolls and stuff. And I think he got irritated after like physically um, assaulting me and believing that that was going to be like the suppressor to make me mm. like stop. And I was like, girl, are we going to, yeah. should we schedule to do this again tomorrow? Cause oh it's my. nothing's changing. <laughs> nothing's changing. Um, and so lived in Connecticut for a couple of years. And then mind you, this whole time, everyone knows I'm gay. I'm very old, like mm-hmm. probably the age of 10. So now like about to enter preteen era and, at this point, I've had a boyfriend from the third grade to the seventh grade. Oh, that's a long-term like, relationship. I, literally, from the third grade. If we're talking about confidence, there was this boy. We were in the third grade. My girlfriends and I were in the playground being the bad that we were, naturally, yeah. while all the boys were playing whatever game. And I think it was like dodgeball or something. No, what's it called? Softball? Kickball? Kickball. Kickball. It was kickball that, outside. Does every black child just Oh, my kickball? God. Because I did. And so my girlfriend's eyes were gossiping, chit-chatting down about her right to take over the school, right? Third grade. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we were making bets about, oh, you should tell this person you like, you know, we had our crushes. And they dared me to go and like ask out my crush. Now, a reason why I said I loved my schools in Connecticut is because I never had to come out mm. at any point in time. In my entire life, actually, I've never had to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought about how lucky I was being in schools where... Though it was Connecticut, it was fairly liberal, and the parents were, like, cool. The teachers were cool. So I went up to, I was like, girl, I have no problem. I stopped the game, and I walk up to him, and I was like, this boy named Timothy. Timothy, if you're out there, I still love you. Timothy. Um, I went up to him, and I was like, you're going to be my boyfriend starting today. And he literally was like, okay. And we dated from the third grade to the seventh grade. It was, like, amazing. I'm obsessed with that story. It was amazing. So that was never a secret. And then, of course, I think as most gay kids, I feel like we share the same experience where, you know, you're typically a very good spy and you're, you know, you're very good at hiding things. And just one day you forget to clear the history. Mm, Mm -hmm. That's a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. And so father, you know, he went, he saw some things and it got extremely violent. And a couple months go by and he was like, oh, we need to, like, we should take a vacation to Haiti because we haven't seen your family mm-hmm. in a long time. Now we have, like, a lot of family in Haiti. Very wealthy, by the way. And so we went, had an amazing time because it was a wedding as well. And we stayed at one of our um, family, like, compounds because we have multiple gorgeous compounds, like, a lot of help and, like, service and, like, beach houses. Like So it was, like, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. That's important for a re- Like, that's very important. On the last two days of the trip, we go to the, like, there are mountains in Haiti, so, like, villages and stuff, where mm-hmm. people, like, have never seen a car. They hear a radio, and they, like, scream, because it's, like, that mm-hmm. very hut-like. 
So we went, me being a city girl, I'm like, oh, this is so cute. Bye, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. The night before we're supposed to leave to go to the airport, he's like, by the way, I'm leaving you here. Um, what? And so he left me in Haiti. Mind you, he could have left me with the family that I do know. Because oh also, the people that he let me to stay with, I didn't know them. Um, so instead of leaving me at one of like, still leaving me in Haiti, which is like mm-hmm. not great, but at least you could have left me, you know, in somewhere yeah. decently comfortable. But yeah, he left me there. Oh my God. And how um, old are you? I was 11. My goodness. And he was like, I, you're no son of mine, the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't want you affecting my kids. I don't want you to have my last name. I don't want to know about you. I'm so ashamed of you. And once again, I gagged him because he did the whole thing. Mind you, in front of like the whole family I'm staying with, basically just like the most disgusting things you could ever hear a parent say to a child. Mm-hmm. He was saying to me, I was absolutely silent because I knew in this moment I was like, you will not get a tear out of me, I promise you. Mm-hmm. And so he says this whole thing. And then I was like, okay, remember earlier you said you're going to be $20? Can I still have that $20 or no? Mm-hmm. And that was the last words I said to him. He was really? pissed. Not my business. Um, but he left me there. I was there for like three months. We won't even go into detail of the absolute horror that I went through and the hell that I went through living there. But my grandfather, his father, found out that he left me there because he didn't tell anyone. Uh-huh. And he was pissed. And so he came to Haiti and came and got me and brought me to Miami where he was living. And my mother happened to be living in Miami at the time. Mm-hmm. My last time I talked to my mother previously, that was like, I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found out that she lived there. And I was like, oh, can I go like visit my mom just to like see her? Went to go see her, immediately told her everything because she didn't know. Oh, she didn't know. And she was like, you're not going back. And mm-hmm. so that's how I ended up living in Miami at the age of, like, 12. And I still live with my mother. And in Connecticut, we lived a very nice lifestyle. Very nice, posh lifestyle. It was fab. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, lived in the hood. The hood of Miami. in the hood. North Miami, if you're mm-hmm. you out there. Mm-hmm. Prayers out, prayers out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a big change in lifestyle, which wasn't really a problem because it was still an up because the lifestyle I was living in Haiti for those couple of months. My God. And this is where it gets good, people. It's okay. Um, Of course, Miami had a lot of its challenges because it was an extremely traumatic area to be in of, like, extreme poverty and terrible educational system. It was just left and right. You you were getting hit with, like, all the worst things. But I ended up meeting my now adoptive father in eighth grade because he was my language arts teacher. Really? know that story yes and so i went to north miami middle and when i was there i was in his class he was my language arts teacher i didn't speak for like two months ever like Mm -hmm. i didn't say a word majority of my teachers he told me Mm -hmm. thought i was mute Mm -hmm. because i but it was because i was so traumatized from haiti that i physically like could not like say words Mm -hmm. for a long time but his class was so inspirational to me and like our spirits matched i was like Oh, he gets me the way that he would speak about um, like his values and the world and the comfort he would give those kids because the spaces outside of his classroom provided no shelter for them, provided no kindness to them whatsoever. It was more so like all the other teachers were very much like you can't do better than where you are right now. So mm-hmm. just like try and get by. Mm-hmm. But he truly like cared about those kids 
and created a space for them. Every time they came into that classroom, they were completely different than the kids I knew outside of that classroom. Wow. But he changed a lot of lives, but specifically mine. And we, he became my, like, he had a dance team, and I joined the dance team. And that's why I fell in love with dance all over again. And slowly but surely, he became like a father figure to me. And then he adopted me, and his whole family adopted me. Wow. And that's how I ended up moving to L.A., because he's born in Santa Monica, like, mm. born and raised. And so, wow. adopted me, and I came here for college, and I've been here ever since. Sorry, this I can never figure story. out how to, like, I can never figure out how to shorten this story. But you don't need long. to. I think a lot of us feel that way. I have a really complicated upbringing, too, and I, like, and it's, like, all of the pieces are very important, so thank I you know. for sharing them. And honestly, But I'm also I mean, trying not to traumatize you guys because it, it's no, not cute. No, I mean, it's still, but I think hearing that story and knowing that you can, you've overcome so much, it, it really, honestly, even goes back to the thing of, like, that you said at the beginning, like, you don't have to pay your dues. And I feel like you've paid a lot of fucking dues, okay? Like, I think you deserve, like, a life <laughs> of pure happiness from now on. My like, God. I don't think we need any more trauma. Because that is a wild thing to go through. But you maintained your con. Obviously, you were traumatized because you were 11 years old when all these really horrific things were happening to you. But you maintained your confidence, like, throughout that. And I think that is a wild way that like our minds protect us do you know yeah. but the healing from that you obviously had a great support system but like how have you approached that because a lot of people the feelings are too big like you don't want to have oh to go God. to them like how did you decide how did you do that like what were your systems for taking care of yourself it was a very very slow process of learning how to heal because also coming from miami and i was living in miami longer than i would say and I lived in Connecticut. Well, because I was a kid, mm. I had more of an experience, a true like life experiences in Miami. And in Miami, you don't talk about mental health isn't a thing. Therapy, absolutely not even just Miami, but like Haitian culture. Therapy is not a conversation. You don't have time. You can't afford to like talk about your feelings or figure that kind of stuff out. Yeah. So when I moved to LA, where I had. I didn't have to worry if I had a roof over my head. I didn't have to worry if, like, I didn't have, like, if I wouldn't have food. Um, and if I was feeling something, I can express it and not, like, get blamed or shamed for it. Mm -hmm. And so I was very confused. It's so crazy. I wouldn't, I, like, mm -hmm. would just internalize everything and try to self-therapize myself. Because I'm like, girl, you're a genius. <laughs> you can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but the way that I really started to learn about, like, taking care of myself was actually taking it day by day and not being ashamed of my emotions. What would happen easily is I would start to feel things and I knew I was in a space to express it. But the second I would say it, I'm like, oh my, like why? You could have just shut up. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it would have went away. Like, you know, yeah. you could have just shut up and this wouldn't even be a whole thing. You wouldn't be feeling all the things you're feeling right now. But then I started realizing you do say it, even if you do, if you get past the shame, you really start to break down and realize how, like, my brain is like, oh, wait, this is now connected to so many other things. And it's making me feel a tad bit better because the biggest issue I would have is I would feel these emotions and these strong, like, things. I'm like, I, where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. I just have this moments where I would be fine and randomly I get angry. Yeah. I get so triggered and I get so angry. But the reason why I would get angry is because I couldn't figure out why. Mm -hmm. And that pissed me off because my thing is, it's like, 
I don't have time in the day. I like to get things done and keep going. Emotions should be one of those things where it's like, you're pissing me off because I can't figure out how to stop you right now. Because right. I don't know where you're coming from. And so when I would get angry or when I, when I would get really emotional and I would get past the shame once I've said it out loud and I could sit down with myself and start to like connect the dots, it made me feel so much more relieved mm-hmm. because nothing scared me more than like me being angry and I couldn't figure out why. Well, it's a terrifying feeling to know, like, that when you don't know what's going on. Because if you, like, for example, you put your hand on a hot stove and it burns, you know why. But if you are, like, your hands just starts burning, you're like, what the the hell is going on? on? So it feels really scary in the moment. But would you say you were processing through, like you said, like, talking out loud to yourself or journaling? Or, like, was it just, like, giving yourself the time to think through? Giving myself the time, but also dance became a huge outlet for me. Because mm. um, I went to college for dance and human movement. Got my bachelor's. It's giving college girl. Um, dance became a huge outlet for me of expression. Like that's when I started learning more about my emotions. Is because I was thankful enough to have teachers where I was being put in pieces and shows where I had to take on different characters mm. with different with like backgrounds that weren't the same as mine, but the emotion of what they were going through were the same. And so when I would do these dances, I was like, wait a minute, this is what I've been wanting to tap into. Mm-hmm. I understand this feeling now. And so that was a huge, like, movement in itself actually is a great outlet to help you put forward emotion if you feel like it's trapped. Even if you're not a dancer, taking, like, yoga classes or Pilates or just working out, period, mm-hmm. getting your body to move is a really great way to help like trapped emotion Mm -hmm. that's what i've learned even if it's simple as like going into a room and like jumping around screaming yeah that can be a great relief of like stress dance party in your room when you're like it's like feels silly but you feel so much better yeah Yeah. i think that's another moment of like also getting past the shame Mm -hmm. and you can really tap into like what is actually going on for you Mm -hmm. 100 percent. so were there any resources like outside of therapy that helped you get through all these things my grandmother queen queen my family of course but i would also say my friends and not in the sense of like advice i don't remember the question was but you mentioned something about and i my answer was isolation Mm, yes oh your most important self-care practice Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. but my version of isolation is like i it's very glam. My friends, my whole life is very glam. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's strange in the sense that like I with my with my, with my parents, with my friends, with my partners, I'm the kind of person where I need my space. Mm-hmm. I need my space, like a lot of space. But I need you to be in the same vicinity. Oh. Like I need you to be in the house with me. But not in the same room with Don't me. Don't talk to me. If you leave the house, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to know. So my isolation is like, I need to be alone, but I need to feel the spirit of the person that I love in the same like area. Mm. We don't need to talk all the time. Like That oh, irritates me whenever I'm with someone who feels like we cannot hold space without having conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to just hold space with you. Exactly. That helped me so much. Like When I was... Like, in college and going through a lot of emotional issues, thankfully my dad is, like, an extremely emotionally intelligent man. Um, And so he knew. He learned that, like, 
the best way to help me out wasn't by trying to talk to me. It's just literally silence. Mm-hmm. Leave, let me be. And, and I'll come you, around to you. Exactly. Then you come around to it. And that's important. Mm-hmm. So how do you isolate without, you know, messing with your relationships, I guess? Like, or isolate while still having, like, a fun and full social life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the thing is, is that is the hard part, especially with being in L.A. and being, I guess, in the industry that we're in is... Our presence is our job a lot of the time. Ugh, I've never heard it said like that. <laughs> it's so true. Our presence really, because it isn't even just a matter of you being somewhere. Like, you have to be present to complete your job. And because you could, if I'm really going through, like, a really deep depression, but I have to work, I could show up places and be dead on the inside. Mm-hmm. But I'm not present because I want to isolate myself. But I can't. I'm yeah. working. And so I think finding the balance of... I'm very good at mask. I don't know how to say it. Like, the way I faked my confidence when I was a kid is the way that I can put on. Yeah. When I go into a space, if I need to, the second I walk out, I do feel drained, mm-hmm. and I immediately need to go to my, into my room. My room is my safe space. When I tell you, I love that place. Mm-hmm. My God. And you need that. I feel like um, I've noticed this with a lot of kids who have grown up like in situations that were really scary or traumatizing or whatever. Like. I personally, like, have to have a beautiful space to, like, be in. And I think it's just because I, I never to. have one, you yeah. know? And it's, like, that yeah. makes me feel so safe to, like, have an apartment, like, that's, like, mine, you know? Oh, do I know. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I know. I, <laughs> that's why, like, even when with being with my parents, they would never enter my room unless they asked me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a thing of, like, you don't go into my room. They just would never cross that line. I never had to say it. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that really helped me is being with people who were so experienced in life. Mm-hmm. Of course, still figuring their, their stuff out, but they knew how to help me understand my own boundaries that I could have never been able to understand. The only ways I knew it was a boundary is when it was already crossed and I was pissed. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have people who were thinking 10 steps ahead mm-hmm. and being like, you don't know this yet, but this is a boundary for you that you we're going to yes. already respect. When you're ready, you'll understand it and then you can express it to other people. What are some other boundaries you've developed in your like adulthood? And maybe like since you've been on social media. Oh my God. One, one thing, oh, all my friends know, I love a boundary. I <laughs> love a boundary. I'm the biggest thing I've realized is we will set boundaries, but we will not state them to people. Mm-hmm. We only state them after they've been crossed. And I hate that because then I do feel guilty. Mm. And so one of my biggest boundaries is, especially for social media, is like, I'm not going to entertain. I'm not going to entertain. I'm just here to not even educate, but like, I'm here to have a good time. Mm. So one of my biggest things that I'm realizing when I post my content and people oftentimes will comment because you know, my whole thing is about, it's like about taste and interior design and lifestyle. And I'll have people in the comments shutting other people down mm. because of like their personal taste in something or like, they don't like what I was talking about, which is fine, but correct the way that you're speaking to people. I don't mm-hmm. care if you could disagree whatsoever, but I know how easy it is to, ruin someone's day based on the way that you interact with them and what that could lead to. And if it's in my comments, you will get checked. Period. If you're talking to me directly, I could get, girl, whatever. But I'll be in the comments and people like, 
will leave the sweetest comments, talking about their own things. Mm-hmm. And you have that one person, like, saying the most vicious stuff. It's insane. And I'm like, are you delusional? I know I give off the whole, like, I'm super sweet and it's mm-hmm. soft life. Bitch, I will check you so quick. You said you from Miami. Literally. That's one of my biggest boundaries mm-hmm. with, like, my... Because I really want my platform and my page to be... Like, I want people to be comfortable to, like, figure out what they like. So that's the boundary there. But the boundary of my personal life with my, like, friends is just, like, respecting my time. I, I am, like... One of my biggest pet peeves are people who are extremely late. Oh, I agree. Like, it drives me insane. Me being... I think I arrived on time here mm-hmm. today and but that pissed so me off you were so stressed and that stressed me out because to me I was late <laughs> yeah um, but I have a lot of friends who like being lit is their thing mm-hmm. and now I'm realizing with social media like because I see a lot of TikTok videos about it it's becoming people's personalities I'm like that's not okay yeah especially when you know we're now entering like our mid-20s what's mm-hmm. it li- like at some point like it's not cute to me mm-hmm. and especially if I so let's make an example because I love to host and I love to cook and I love to do things for my friends. If you know that I'm doing, if you, one, you already know that I'm a person who's very time sensitive. Um, so if you know I'm putting an effort to do something and I said it's at this time, say it's at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. And you, and you came at why are you showing up eight thirty? <laughs> why are you showing up at nine fifteen? <gasps> no, especially if you're cooking something like, that's just, it's insane to me. It's insane to me. Or even if we have a re- reservation somewhere. Like, yeah. you know how time works. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, when they're supposed to be at a place, like 9 o'clock, if you're still at home, at the time you're supposed to be, why don't you feel the need to text and I be know. like, I'm running behind? or You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I really do feel, that those are the moments where I feel the most disrespected because you're not respecting my time. I would never. Mm-hmm. I'm late, but my version of late is like 10 minutes. Exactly. 10, 15 minutes max. And if I am, like, running late where I'm not somewhere, like, I'm texting you down, being like, yeah. I just, like, I'm 10 minutes away. We're about to cross a bridge right now. Like, I'm mm-hmm. coming. I am so, 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 so sorry. Right. And so I think whenever people are so careless with my time and you do it more than two times, knowing how much it, like, like nothing has changed from the last conversation we've had. Mm-hmm. You're walking on thin ice. <laughs> He said, not today. I can't do or it. Or any day. Let me make sure we still have time for my questions. We do. Okay, fabulous. So, question for you. Post-lateness, which I agree with by all means. What is, like, one of your bigger insecurities that you might have, like, developed in your 20s? And, like, how did you overcome it to maintain your confidence? Mm. One of my biggest insecurities was definitely... Understanding my masculinity. Mm. And so I've always been very feminine presenting. That was never an issue for me, and I never had a problem with that. But moving to Miami, this is an interesting conversation, actually. Moving to Miami, a city that's extremely homophobic, at least the town that I was in. Well, no, the city in itself is extremely homophobic, especially if you're like, you know, the hood. Mm. And people would think, of course, because of that means everyone's DL, blah, 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 which there was a huge DL population. But, of course, there were a lot of queer people that were out. But in order to be out and queer or gay in Miami, you had to 
be a form of entertainment, so you had to be extremely okay. feminine. Mm. You had to be the character, the true caricature of what it means to be a gay person. So in Miami, like, my femininity was fine because I had to push it to the 10th degree mm -hmm. in order to survive because at that point, I could be, you know, like, the girl's gay best friend. Mm -hmm. The guys could see me as funny. Like, I walk funny. You know, so I, they feel comfortable and they feel safe because I'm a joke. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved to L.A. and I was in a completely different environment that was more open, gave me more space to figure myself out, my femininity was fine. But then I'm like, I also have, like, a more masculine side to me, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And so that was one of my biggest insecurities because people often naturally assume that I like a very specific type of guy. They not they see me and they're like, oh, he, you know, likes a six foot four manly man, man, which I do. If you're so out do, there, so do I. If you're out there, girl, <laughs> call me. But I also the hardest thing for me was like, wait, I also really like feminine guys as well. I like feminine short guys, I like feminine tall guys. And that was really hard for me to come to terms with because it felt like I shouldn't. Mm. Because in the gay community, there's kind of like this unwritten rule. If you're feminine, you're naturally like a bottom. You're naturally supposed to be mm -hmm. this kind of, or supposed to be attracted to a specific, or specific person. But I have to sit with myself and be like, girl, that is not you. But what does you look like? And doesn't necessarily change who, you know, how you act now. Like, just because I am figuring out my masculinity, if I'm coming up to you because I'm attracted to you and you're feminine, don't think that I'm about to, like, completely shift. I'm going to still be very much me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, but it, like, it, sh it balances out. Like, I've, I've learned my masculinity, and I'm very thankful for it. Um, but that was a really big struggle for me because I was just, like, mm -hmm. the whole world was telling me, like, you can't. You're not and supposed to. And it's like to. you already overcame so much because of being who you are. And then you get to be who you are, but then there's still rules. And there's still... These weird unwritten rules. Exactly. And there's still things that, like, make you feel less than. It's so... I feel like... But in every, like, societal area, obviously, there's going to be, like, things people expect from you. But, like, I think we all are the most powerful when we let those go because they're yes. really, it's really, because I th even think with content creation, like there could be people who are, or when you're an influencer and you're posting content, like you're supposed to act a certain way, but you, yes. like you said, you're not here to entertain. Like you're here to be you and give us the content that you want to give us. And like, that's what matters. Not like making everybody laugh for yeah. 45 minutes. I fell into that trap too. When I first got on TikTok, I was making like comedic videos to like, quick sounds or whatever and they were blowing up viral, yeah. and they were blowing up and going viral and I was getting the validation but I had to, once again one thing I love to do because I do talk to myself a lot mm -hmm. I have to sit with myself and be like excuse me long term is this realistically what you want to do like is this what will be best for you right now is mm -hmm. this going to fulfill you and I'm like no and so I had to like completely change it and be like what do I love to look at what I love to talk about and that's how mm -hmm. me getting into the fashion and more so the interior design space came about Exactly. Because I was like, I'm not getting the likes, I'm not getting the comments, but the two to three comments that I am getting, I like they fill me They're up. They're from the people they who fill really me love up. it. Mm -hmm. You know, those videos where I was getting thousands of comments, all of it was hee hee ha ha, and I was like, <laughs> okay, great. But now I have like a person be like, oh my god, whenever I watch your videos, it makes me so happy because it's making me realize what I love in in fashion or seeing interior yes. design in a different way. Like you've helped me do. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is it. Literally, like I said um, to you at brunch, I was like, the, 
you, you had it in my, I had this in my head, like the, but you were able to make these visuals like come to life, like through this platform and be able to like all the things that I love, like you have them there too. And it, it also just validated me as someone who like enjoyed that type of thing to see it like happening elsewhere. And your commentary, obviously on all of your videos <laughs> is, you know, incredible too. So I think that, and I'm grateful for it. So how, do, what do you do now as a result of TikTok? Like what's your career and like, what's your most your biggest ambitions for your career too oh so because of tiktok i've kind of it's navigated my life in the weirdest way which i love i'm the kind of person where i let life take me where it needs to take me Mm -hmm. and i'm going to adjust it as we go and so with tiktok right now i'm what you would consider a luxury lifestyle curator Mm. what a stunning title (laughs) And so I have clients where I, and they all come from TikTok. They found my TikTok account and they love my taste when it comes to interior design, but also lifestyle in general. And so a lot of them are new to LA or new to whatever city that they're in. And they are trying to obtain a specific lifestyle that they see through me. Mm -hmm. And so I help them in picking out certain pieces or Figuring out the right places to go, the right membership clubs to like be a mm-hmm. part of, and you know how to attain the dream that they see through my page, but in a way that fits truly for them. I love that, not just like copy paste. Not just copy paste because it's not worth it. It's mm-hmm. not worth. It. And I've and I had to tell some of my clients that too, where they would be like, "Just do, just do you." And I'm like, "I will do me after you tell me what who you are." Mm. You know, a like, lot of people don't know because you're not you're not me. You're yeah. not me, girl. <laughs> So nobody is. Right. We love that. Yes. And I'm not. If I was, I wish I was you, girl. Because mm-hmm. the budgets that they have, insane. I know. So insane. for where do you want to take that? Like, what's your ideal? Like, manifest it with us. My ideal goal right now, because I do my like home tour reaction, or like my home tour review videos, and so I'm gonna say this very loudly. I would love to in time put. I would love to potentially work with Architectural Digest and having my own short spinoff on YouTube where I review some of the homes that they didn't pick up because they get so many yeah. um, people wanting to have their homes reviewed. Of course, they can't do all of them. So, you know, I take five to five to six, seven mm-hmm. of their untoward homes and I'd review them. I'd go in, in person yeah. and... Or even go to homes that they have reviewed before and just do more in-depth, you know, younger, spirited home reviews. Mm. And I'm still very much in fashion. I'm actually, as of next year, going to be starting back up into doing my fashion reviews and my fashion commentary. Because I completely forgot about that once I got into the world of interior design. Because one of my big life goals is to be a fashion editor. And no one knows that because everyone only knows me right now for interior design, which I'm fine with Mm -hmm. because I'm getting my footing in there. Um, But uh, fashion will always be here. And so that's one of my big dreams and goals, too. I love that. And remind me, I can't talk about this online. We'll talk about it offline. I Mm -hmm. haven't thought about that. Slade. Amazing. Okay, so... Final question for you is, uh, well, I have two final questions. I like to have one that I ask every guest, and then this one is just because this episode's coming out in January. So mm. what is something you are taking into the new year and something that you are leaving behind? Something that I am leaving behind, and I'm really hoping that I leave it behind, is procrastination. Oh, girl. It's so bad right now. Well, you know procrastination so is bad. a form of perfectionism. 
Well, there you have it. You know, that makes so much sense, right? actually. Yeah, that's what, when really I learned is. that, I was like, "Shit, my perfectionism is ruining my life. Like, it's crazy." No, it's so bad right now. Like, that's something I deeply need to leave behind, and what I need to bring in is consistency. Mm-hmm. I love. I feel like I'm a pretty consistent person, but I, I view majority like of things in my life as. A dimmer instead of like an on and off where mm. it's like you're consistent you're not consistent like that i don't view it that way it's more of like a dimmer where i feel like right now i'm currently at my 40 percent, and i would like to be at like a 70 to 80 percent consistency well it's the end of the year we're all dying exactly mm-hmm. so starting off next year because even with tiktok girl i started a series where i was like i'm gonna be vlogging every day of this <laughs> month a portion of my life it's currently what the 11th girl something like that there's one video up right now <laughs> <laughs> it's relatable it's hard to be glam it's hard it's not even like because be it's hard to be consistent because i feel like a, what people can what people view my life as glam really kind of is my everyday and so that part in itself is not hard all i have to do is wake up and do be, mm-hmm. but i don't re- remember to do it and of course there's a part of me that's going to want to make it perfect yep and so but once I start making it perfect, it doesn't look right to me because I'm like, it's too try hard or it's too this, it's too that. Uh, that's the hard part with being like a, vision, a visionary, like I'm sure you are. Like I personally, like I really wish I was an aesthetic girl. Like I wish everything was perfect, but it's so I, it's hard not. to get there. Because also if we're being realistic, all of the aesthetic girls that you do see as perfect, to some degree, like uh, their lives probably actually look like that. Yeah. But there is a percentage of like, adjustment that's always made that's the thing is i can't wake up and show the picture of me making my bed because you want to see my hair at seven o'clock in the morning babes it's a hot it's not aesthetic for me to do it the sun would be already going down (laughs) (laughs) please exactly so i like to ask every guest this finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know you are too smart for can i switch out four yes you can you can make it two or whatever you want you are too smart to set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Oh, period. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for sharing your story so vulnerably. I think this was your first podcast episode. My very first <laughs> podcast. I'm honored. I'm honored like, to have uh, done that. I've been, this, I've been manifesting this, actually. Well, you know, here I am, making dreams come true. They, where uh, can everyone find you so they can keep You up? can all find me on TikTok at Shookerd, S-H-O-O-K-E-R-D, and it's the same for Instagram. Period. All right, thank you so you much. You can also find me at my address. It's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in there. so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards to girls who leave great reviews down below so please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on instagram to be notified in case you win and with that do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode